0: Welcome back to Start Kyle Orton Last week we had to do some lengthy introductions This week it's all business, gentlemen As always, I am joined by Kyle Morris Kyle, how are you feeling this evening?
1: Oh, I'm good, I'm good I'm ready to keep rolling on this tournament um, uh, There is one bit of housekeeping and, and that is an apology to everyone who listened to last week's episode uh, I am no longer sitting in that creaky-ass computer chair. I'm really sorry for subjecting everyone to that subtle form of torture. My fat ass has moved back to the couch where the cushions will swallow up the sounds of my movement. So sorry about that, everybody. And if you did persevere till the end of last week's episode to hear the rest of the content over the squeaking, I appreciate you. Wow, well that was all
0: ASMR for me, so I really feel like I'm missing out this week. Uh, also joining us this week... Eric, you're back. How does it feel to be back? It's just, this is the second episode. Are you? Are you? It feels in the so
2: good to be back. I'm so cold in this room, but I am very happy to be here. I'm ready to savage some of these, uh, some some real all stars of my time uh, covering the Chicago Bears uh, and caring quite a lot about them, as opposed to my uh, my current. Yeah. I really hope they win.
1: So I guess just to refresh. The folks who, I mean, if you chose to just pick up with this episode, uh, that's interesting. But just to refresh, folks, we are working through the worst bears of the last 20 years. We are trying to set a final field of 16 for the official tournament. There are four regions. We're narrowing each region from 10 guys to four. Last week, we narrowed down our quarterback region. Um, and if I'm off the top of my head, if I remember, we, we for those four, we picked, uh, not necessarily in this order, we picked... Mitch Trubisky, Rex Grossman, the 2004 Bears quarterback trio of Krenzel, Quinn, and Hutchinson, and then uh, number four was Caleb Haney, correct? Correct. Okay. Yes. And then for the draft bust region, we settled on... Uh, you didn't did write settle? these down? Well, I probably should have.
0: Cedric Benson? Cedric <laughs> Benson. Williams. Chris Williams. Chris
1: Williams. Oh, Gabe did, Gabe did ultimately Gabe make it in the it Final did. Four, that's right. And yeah, Shea okay. McClellan. And Shea McClellan, okay, that's a strong... So I feel like those are two strong regions, and so the regions that we are going to put together tonight, they are going to have their hands full when when the time comes, I think, to battle those regions. But yeah, so we tonight we are setting our regions in the last two categories. Uh, the first one we're going to debate tonight is the free agent and trade failures category. And just to remind folks... Um, I defined a free agent or trade failure not as guys who were signed to vet minimum. It's not a surprise that I'm going to single him out again. Dante Pettis sucked. Like, the man was signed for nothing. You can expect him to suck. Uh, So I I tried to go for guys that signed multi-year deals, guys who got decent commitments in terms of guaranteed money, Um, guys that were clearly expected to be starters, if not stars, um, and failed. So that's the first region we're going to work through. And then the last region we're working through tonight is the just why uh, region, which are this is a list of guys who no one should ever have expected to be good based on where they were drafted or whether they were drafted at all, what they were signed for, guys that good organizations just would not have had on the roster um, and whom the Bears did roster and, in fact, gave way too much playing time to so that is the final region we will debate tonight. So with the with the table set once more in a in a tight three hundred or three minutes and fifty seconds, are you gentlemen ready to get into the nitty gritty? I'm rock hard and ready As to
2: nitty gritty is my favorite place to get. Alright.
1: Without further ado, then free agent and trade failures. Number one Cody Parkey. Now I know you're all listening and you're thinking, well, we know why that guy's on the list. And here's the thing. Were Cody Parkey's Bears legacy just the double doink? I would have mercy on this gentleman. Being a kicker is an unfair job. It's unforgiving. I don't. I, I feel bad for Scott Norwood for all the hate he's gotten in his years. Um, kickers miss kicks. It happens. Uh, but with Cody Parkey, I think the main concern was that there were already signs before the double-doink happened that this was going to be a problem. It was not the first game where he had, in fact, doink. Um, And the Bears had just kind of... There was that awful game against Detroit, against Miami, and the Bears had just kind of ignored the gathering storm there, Um, which is part of why he's in contention here. But last but not least, the thing that seals Cody Parkey onto this list for me is that the man went on fucking Good Morning America... Like a day after that kick happened to talk about how he was not letting it get him down and how he was persevering. And I was like, you really can't do the whole, here's how I have endured this thing. when there's not even been enough time to endure it, man. Could you not have at least let your teammates grieve for a little bit before you made it all about you? So that is why Cody is on this list and why I think he has a strong case for the final four. Any any thoughts on Cody Parkey before we move on to the other guys? And I think we'll do the same thing we did last time that seemed to work well. I'll list all ten guys, and then we'll nominate guys to be eliminated. Does that work for everybody? I was going to say, you, you run through all
0: ten like you did, and then we'll start eliminating people.
1: All right. I would I would like to bring up on
2: Cody, though, I feel it's important to also note the downstream impact of uh, replacing Cody Parkey. As one of There's, the greatest circus-tier shit shows we have ever seen. Right,
1: I mean, we're really, we're really trying not to. Good we're point. not trying not to. The, a lot of this tournament is turning into the Matt Nagy, or Matt Nagy tournament um, and how his brain was broken in various ways. And I think we can all agree the main brain-breaking incident for Matt Nagy was definitely the double doink. Uh, so next up on this list, Orlando Pace. Signed shortly after the Jay Cutler trade It was a nice one-two punch at the time It was like, holy shit, the Bears got a real quarterback And then they went out and got a left tackle Um, And if only it had If only it had gone the way it sounded on paper or Orlando's days were were clearly behind him uh, At the time that he arrived, his best days Uh, Next up, after Orlando one of my personal favorites, Frank Omiel, and here's what I've written for him. Jerry Angelo's second attempt at finding a quote-unquote prototypical left tackle. There were three different occasions where Jerry Angelo went dumpster diving and found a guy that he swore to us all had prototypical left tackle skills, to use his exact words. Um, The first one was Kasim Mitchell. He'll be mentioned later. The third one was Jamarcus Webb. He will also be mentioned later tonight. Uh, but the second one, and the most expensive one of the three, was Frank Omeow. So uh, he Jerry signed Frank on the first day of free agency in 2009 to a four-year deal. This was a man <laughs> who had been a practice squatter for the Browns, I believe, then was a backup for the Panthers. And on day one of free agency, when the big names are signing Jerry Angelo circled this man and was like, this, this is our franchise left tackle. We, I must have him immediately. I must guarantee him millions of dollars. I must start him. Uh, so, fun fact about Frank, uh, he allowed 14 sacks in 2010, uh, which is the most of any Bears offensive lineman since 2006 in a single season per PFF. So, fun fact about Frank, when you think of all the the glorious offensive linemen we've had the tackles that we have mentioned already in Gabe and Chris the tackles we have yet to mention um to to, to be the single worst sack giver upper of those gentlemen really notable uh next up Jared Allen 4 years 32 million dollars 15.5 million guaranteed That netted them five and a half sacks and just 18 total games. Also, he's a stupid, dumb redneck with nearly as many DUI charges as he has all pro seasons. So that's Jared Allen. Next up, also from the 2014 Bears defensive line splurge, Lamar Houston. Five years, 35 million, 15 million guaranteed. Uh, I think we all remember Lamar most from tearing his ACL while jumping up and down, celebrating a sack, down 25 points against the Patriots. Uh, Then tore his ACL again, less than two years later, in the second game of the 2016 season. He never played more than 417 snaps in a single season in Chicago, despite averaging 828 snaps a year in Oakland before signing with the Bears. Uh, Next up, a personal favorite of Travis, Adam Archuleta, um, the one-time Rams luminary uh, claimed he was misused by Washington and their system. Lovey Smith was going to uh, save him, put him back in the cover two, the Tampa two system where he thrived. Um, unfortunately, he was in fact completely washed. His 38.3 coverage grade on 358 coverage snaps in 2007 ranks the second worst of any Bears defensive back since 2006 with at least 300 snaps. Uh, also impressive when you consider the luminaries that we have had at safety. Uh, Next up, after Adam Archuleta, Brandon Merriweather. Do you guys remember when Brandon Merri... Oh, God...
0: Thanks thanks, Moose, for the call. Uh folks. I I know you can't see. This isn't a visual medium, but man, as soon as Kyle said Brandon Merriweather, he just flew in and nailed him with the crown of his helmet. Uh oh, I, I don't know if Kyle's gonna be able to continue. Kyle, are you are you alright? Are you are you conscious? Can you can you keep going? I I I'm a
1: little Okay, I'm a little foggy. Uh so yeah, that was unnecessary roughness on brandon Mer- merriweather he has been ejected from the scott cast uh next up after brandon uh, do i need to say anything else other than like in reality do i need to say anything else about brandon merriweather other than that man apparently understands football and no concepts other than launch head at defender or at receiver uh next up eddie royal three years 15 million Ten million guaranteed. Started just ten games as a Bears, as a Bears, uh, managed six hundred and seven yards total in those two seasons. So, not much from Eddie, who of course was signed because he was one of Jay Cutler's friends in Denver. Uh, next up, Dion Sims, and I, to the life of me, I or for the life of me, I cannot understand what the Bears saw in the backup tight end of the Dolphins, who had like two hundred career yards, that made them think he was. So promising, but this man got three years, $18 million, $10 million guaranteed, and that bought them 17 catches for 189 yards and one touchdown. He dropped four passes on just 31 Bears targets. Uh, not the worst drop rate of a Bears tight end, though, that we will discuss tonight. Uh, and then finally, only on the list because of Travis, Gaines Adams. A second round pick for, let's just politely say, not much production.
2: <laughs> I don't know why it's so funny to me. Because oh, you're going to burn.
0: Should in we start with head. Gaines? Should we start with Gaines? You want me to eliminate Gaines first? And I, I, think, I
2: think for in the order sake, for sake Kyle of and I, At least for our souls, I mean, he's yeah, maybe lost I, already. I but. Think, yeah. So, so yes.
0: So, yes, Gaines Adams dead at 26 from an enlarged heart. That is absolutely awful. Uh, It's a medical prognosis that is only – I think we only really knew a lot more about it after this particular thing happened. This is something that has caused the retirement of several professional basketball players or, uh, as it were, potential professional basketball players because you simply have to stop – you know, and he went as hard as he could and uh, he ended up dying from it. It is terrible. However, uh, what we got out of Gaines Adams was the loss of a second round pick, 10 games of very poor production, which, you know, is probably due to the guy having an underlying medical condition, which we did not find in time, uh, and then he died. So, he, part of the. Th- I was really going to talk about this because. I wanted to talk about what's the, the value in this tournament uh, of just losing a second-round pick for nothing. Uh, like, how far down the list does that put you? But Dan Bazin actually uh, does a better job of that because he didn't do anything. He just immediately went down with injury, never played as a bear. Uh, so now gains, for me, is actually more just showing that I don't, I don't think this list uh, here in our free agent trades section... Uh, is as strong as the other
1: regions because I actually don't think Gaines is so, the first guy I'd eliminate. That is one of the things I, I did want to talk about. Um, the thing about the Bears is they actually don't make a lot of big trades and they don't make a lot of huge free agent signings. And the funny thing is is most of the big ones you can remember them doing tend to work out. Yep. Like the biggest contract, free agent contract in franchise history, I believe, is still the Julius Peppers contract. Um and he was worth that. The biggest trade other than Cutler, uh and I mean if and to be fair, if Cutler wasn't in his own region in the quarterback region, he would be on this list for the trade disappointment region. Um but they traded a lot for Khalil Mack. And I mean ultimately was the Khalil Mack trade a success. I think there is there's a lot of debate there but I still I will not stand in front of you and say that that was a bad trade certainly not bad enough you certainly couldn't say that
2: Khalil Mack did a bad job as a Chicago no
1: at the very least so yeah this is this is I, I I truly think the weakest region um but I do think there are some people worth discussing in it um a couple guys who might really have an argument um but yes I think for the sake of our souls we will eliminate Gaines Adams however I will say, I think if Gaines had not suffered that tragedy, I think if we were just, if we were living in the alternate universe where we were just looking at this trade based on its merits, even at the time, at the time, that was a horrible trade. This was not a guy who was productive at all in Tampa, and mind you, it's called the Tampa 2 because fucking Tampa was already running it, so... It's not like he was even changing schemes, really. I don't know what the logic was in thinking that this guy, who had struggled in Monty Kiffin's defense, was gonna turn it all around um, for the Bears. But yeah, he might have been on this list. It might have been a stronger candidate on this list without that unfortunate tragedy. But yes, I think we can we can move on. Gaines, we are very sorry. Um, Gaines, it, Gaines is certainly eliminated. Uh, Eric, do you want to nominate a guy to remove from the list?
2: Well, you know, as you said, this is kind of a hard list to, like, none of these, you know, the worst, the the person that I hate the most, certainly, on this list is Frank Omiel. I don't know that there's anybody that I'm like, eh, he wasn't that bad, he wasn't that good.
0: Yeah,
1: Frank Omiel. Yeah, this is, yeah, this, this a, is drummer, a hard this. one. Yes, I do Frank think
0: Omiel needs to move on.
1: Yeah, Omiel's not going anywhere. I will nominate a guy to eliminate... Uh, and I will say that I will nominate Orlando Pace because mm-hmm. um, I was doing a lot of research for this and I was doing a lot of research for other stuff that also led me to this because one thing I'm preparing for in a couple of weeks is the in-depth episode that we are going to do about Justin Fields and all things Justin Fields. Uh, and one thing that uh, my research did show me there is, is something that I was in denial about long ago um and it's that sometimes the bad offensive line and the sacks were actually jay cutler's fault uh not not all the time cuz he really did play with some dog shit offensive lines especially in 2010 2011 but when i was looking at orlando pace as a chicago bear he really at least by pro football focus really wasn't that bad he was certainly not orlando pace but he was like a league average well he just got track. hurt,
2: didn't he? It's not like he fell apart I and mean, he just never yeah, got my, better.
1: My notes for this are why the
0: hell did Kyle put Orlando Pace <laughs> on this list? And that's it. I well, I, I just you were both picking on one of my favorite players from childhood, uh, and also uh, just a dude in the last year of his career. This is like this is like year fifteen for Orlando.
1: Well, it just wait, it,
2: why 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 am I being accused of picking on him? I'm defending it, the
1: man It just it felt like a huge disappointment at the time because you were all hyped for the Jay Cutler trade. You were all hyped for him to have a decent offensive line. It felt like the offensive line was really bad. It actually really wasn't that bad. Now, so I will say this for Orlando Pace, uh, Pro Football Focus really only has like three seasons of data for him that they track. But for the two seasons that he was in St. Louis that they have, he his pass block grade was 82.6 and 79.4, both of which were still elite figures In Chicago, it did drop all the way to 63.5. He was barely above average. For instance, his last year in St. Louis, he allowed 17 hurries. His first year as a bear, or his last year in St. Louis, he allowed 23 total pressures. His first year as a bear, he allowed 43. So he was still a considerably worse player as a bear. He was a disappointment if you were expecting Orlando pace. But yes, I'm nominating him to be eliminated because he came to mind originally. When I was trying to think of free agents who didn't work out for the Bears, but when I dug into it in depth, I was like, you know, this truly is just picking on a guy who gave a solid, if unspectacular, effort in his final year of his career. So, Orlando, I think we can eliminate you, right, yeah, I'm, guys? I'm,
2: I think that that's more than fair. I will say mm-hmm. that Orlando did fine. The decision to sign Orlando was just, just absolute horseshit, man. <laughs> like going through the the last few years in the when he was with the Rams like why did they think that that would work? Why did we think that that would work? Well, I mean, uh, just sure the that. last
0: time we'd try it.
1: Yeah, nope, not exactly. So, uh All right, Travis, it's your turn I guess now to eliminate another candidate.
0: Oh. I so there are several I would probably get rid of. The one interesting thing about this region is this region covers a time period that we don't really cover in any of the others, and that is the John Fox era, yes, uh, which which killed uh, both of your interest in football almost entirely, uh, and I, and almost killed me uh, to watch. So while in a vacuum, I don't think Jared Allen is that much of a contender. I don't think Lamar Houston is much of a contender. I don't think Eddie Royal is much of a contender. I do think they're good representatives of the the nihilism of those three years it was uh... just just how fucking like dark shit got for the bears with up just (laughs) hopeless it was hopeless uh and you reminding me of how much money we paid lamar houston and jared allen almost like hit me in the gut i had completely forgotten the kind of money we gave those guys to do what they
1: did Jared Allen, the uh, the funny thing is, is, I remembered that Jared Allen contract. Like, I feel like he signed late in free agency, and I th- I was thinking that was like a one-year deal with nothing really to it. Yeah. I was surprised when I went and saw that, like, no, 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 they signed him basically for the same amount of guaranteed money that they gave to Lamar Houston, who was their premier free agent of that offseason. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Jared Allen actually moved up. The disappointment list in my estimation when I was actually getting into the details there. Jared Allen
2: being signed in the John Fox years is also very funny because how many years did we spend wishing that the Bears would just make a high-profile free agent sign? Well, to be fair. Just to, fair. to show that they were trying. On, and be then, clear. when they weren't supposed to be trying, they signed Jared Allen for, what, $30 million?
1: No, Jared Allen was signed the last Trestman year. Oh, Alan, that's
2: right. Yep. He was not John Fox signing.
1: I distinctly remember. So, uh, my memory of Jared Allen the day he was signed. Uh, I remember back in the day listening to Boors and Bernstein on the score, uh, the Chicago Sports Station. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, I would assume most of you listening to this probably do. But uh, they signed Jared Allen, and I remember Dan Bernstein saying. I really feel like he could be the missing piece. I was already feeling very good about this Bears team, and now I really think this is a team that could contend for a Super Bowl. Hmm. Um, and then they went 5-11 and 11 and gave up, like, 50 points a game. So that really sums up.
2: And Jared Allen got sick and lost 20 pounds. Oh, yeah, I forgot about uh, that. And he and had, ended, a... what, like a eight-year streak of not missing a yeah. game? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Fox era started in the second year of those guys. Like Lamar Houston had a decent first year. It was that
1: second year where, well, he Eagles had a decent he had a decent first year until he tore his ACL, celebrating a sack, jumping right. up and down, down twenty five yeah. points. But yes, the
0: nihilism set in there in year two. The other thing about yeah. Jared Allen, every time I think about the Bears having Jared Allen on their team, I remember when the Cubs signed Jim Edmonds, and it gives me the same vibe where I'm like I hate that douchebag. I hated him like like he was the focal point of my hatred of a division rival and then we signed him but he wasn't good so it felt like internal fucking sabotage. It was like he was he was haunting me uh from without and then from within. Uh yeah. and so he has that going for him too. I think maybe Jared Allen should just be on the Also
1: course. it's it is hard to hold this against Jared Allen personally. But at the same time that the Bears were bringing in Jared Allen, they had released Julius Peppers, uh, and he went off to Green Bay and immediately was Julius Peppers again, because this man was never actually washed, he just took one look at Mark Trussman and went, I'm not playing for that stupid jackass, I'm gonna, I am plotting my exit strategy from this town now, um, and so I always think to myself, like, whatever Jared Allen was disappointing that year, I'd be like, you know, we could still have Julius Peppers, so who's still good. Um, so, yeah, I, Allen, I, I don't know if he goes all the way through yet, but I, I'm not eliminating Allen, that's for sure. But I will eliminate, so we eliminated, we've eliminated Orlando Pace, we have eliminated... Who else have we eliminated? Is that Gaines, all we Adams. Gaines, Gaines Adams. Gaines Adams, of course, yes. Um, I think, all right, well, let's just, let's eliminate Eddie Royal. How about that? Here's yeah, a guy. I, I I have have no, he, had, he had no
0: chance. He had yeah. no chance, man.
1: <laughs> Eddie Royal, I'm fine with eliminating. Yeah, it's just, like I said, it was hard to find 10 guys to fill out a list who got, like, at least $10 million in guaranteed money from the Bears and did nothing with it uh, because this franchise has historically been so frugal. Uh, in terms of free agency, it's kind of like—I mean, was I—if you were even looking at last year's team, you would think the 2022 Bears would have some candidates for this list. But like, am I supposed to put Byron Pringles' one-year, four-million-dollar deal on here? Like, hey, we'll get this down to four good candidates. I think. okay, o- so Omie is through for sure. Yeah, Omie is I, through. I so okay. I maybe this region is the one region where we don't even need to nominate guys to. A, I think the four guys I would go with would be Cody Parkey, Frank O'Meal, Jared Allen, and I do I dare go with Brandon Merriweather? Will he spear me again? Don't say the name. But yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> it's like the Baba Duke or whatever you say yeah. it too many times and they'll right.
1: I mean otherwise I mean even even over Merriweather, who again he was a cut candidate, he wasn't signed for very much. He was extremely frustrating to watch, but he wasn't there that long. And I feel kind of bad because I did like him as a player, but I feel like as the highest dollar guy on this list and one who was legitimately disappointing overall, um, Lamar Houston possibly has to go through. I have no.
2: I feel we must let Lamar Houston through because he tore his ACL celebrating a sack down 25 points. And yeah, then and, and he, he just, tore the same ACL, and then a knee injury ended his career with the Well, and, I
1: mean, and again, he got $35 million, and at, at, in his best year, arguably, in Chicago, which was 2015, he still played less than half as many snaps as he played in his last year in Oakland. I mean, he was just, he was never healthy, and when he did play, it wasn't like he was a star. He was, like, a pretty good player he was a dude that was brought in basically um he was a guy that i mean i, I remember at the si- time of the signing i really thought based on the underlying metrics and what he'd done in oakland i really thought that guy was going to become the linchpin of their defensive line and really break out and become a very good player in chicago uh and he was just okay when he played in the bigger problem is just that he just didn't play and then yeah i think Poor's ACL, celebrating a sack down 25 points against I the Patriots. I had forgotten that really one was of
2: Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I you mean, were celebrating beating Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, it wasn't even...
1: Oh, God, it wasn't even <laughs> no, Brady? No, it was
0: Jimmy
2: Garoppolo. Oh, that makes it
1: so much worse, because I was like... I was like, on the other hand, I kind of understand being like, I just sacked Tom Brady. That's we're celebrating no matter... Oh, God, it was Garoppolo. Okay, yeah, that's bad. Oh. <laughs> okay, so... So
0: personally, I would agree with Parky and Jared Allen, but but you know me, man, I would have to put Adam Archuleta and, in and here and for the us.
2: only thing I know
0: about Adam Archuleta
1: is that <laughs> Travis, Travis hates him. Fucking hates him. Yeah, he really does. I saw his
2: name on this list and I was like, "That's that guy." Travis hates. That's just
1: that's <laughs> the I only will,
0: thing you remember. <laughs> I
1: will. I can I can see an argument for Archuleta just because Archuleta. Is one of the, some of these guys on here, not just in this region, but in, in this tournament. Some of those guys are really. It's not just them, but the the era they represented, the vibes they represented, and Adam Archuleta is just that 2007 Bears season in a in a nutshell. I mean, you yes. were they were coming off a of Super Bowl. You had such high hopes. They added Adam Archuleta, which felt like adding one piece at what had been their only weak point. On that stellar defense, you thought, holy shit, they've just added Archuleta. This defense is somehow going to get even better. And it just, God, it all went to shit. Rex went to shit. The defense went to shit. The offensive line went to shit. Cedric Benson, I mean, was always shit, but he was there and he got to do a lot more and show how shit he was. And Adam Archuleta really just represents the bad vibes so strongly. And like I said, there is the there are the numbers to back it up. I mean, he, so Orlando Pace... Probably I mentioned when we first started this tournament last week. I said there there was like one guy on this entire list where I was like, oh, he wasn't as bad as I remember, and it was Orlando Pace. So many guys are like, wow, they're even worse than I remember. Adam Archuleta, not worse than I remember, but it was nice to see that number and just like confirm my feelings and be like, oh wow, so I was right. He wasn't just bad. He was bad even for a Bears safety. Bad. Um, He was just like epically historically bad so i I mean
0: i he is the the jonathan quinn of this region in that he is legitimately maybe that one season he had the worst player on this entire list that whole that whole season he was so bad he managed to break a fucking defense Almost by himself, he was a he was a hard hitting safety known for tackling. Who completely lost the ability to tackle and had nothing to fall back on. He couldn't cover. He could no longer tackle. He whiffed everybody in the run game. It, it was just a a complete hole wherever Adam Archuleta was supposed to be. And he had all this cachet coming behind him. Like we, uh, you and I, both remember his glory days. Like Archuleta back on those Rams defenses. And you're like, oh, he's like this tough-nosed, hard-nosed dude. He's going to come in. He's going to really be a bear. And uh, he ended up just sucking so much shit. He may not be overall the most devastating safety we've ever had. That might be the guy in this next group of 10 that we talk about. But that one season, I have, I may have never seen a worse defensive full season than Adam Archuleta on the Bears in 2007.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a strong argument. Um, the only argument against passing Archuleta through would be that he he was... I mean, it was, he was basically a salary dump from Washington. They didn't pay him a lot, and they only had to deal with him for one year. Um, and like I yeah. said, Lamar... So I actually think... All right, so the two that I'm automatically passing through are Cody Parkey and Frank Omeo. Are we all agreed on those two, Parkey and Omeo? I agree th- they're in. So I'm willing to give Travis Archuleta. I'm willing to put him in there. But as much as this pains me, because personally, I dislike Jared Allen more. I kind of feel like Lamar Houston has to be the one to advance uh, because he was the bigger ticket. Free agent. He's exactly the biggest contract of these ten guys, um, and also it. Houston himself represents, I think, the failure of the Phil Emery defense. Bears the same way that Archuleta represents the the bad vibes of two thousand seven, because Houston was another guy who. When he was in Oakland, he played sometimes at defensive tackle, and he played sometimes at end, and sometimes he played stand-up. Sometimes he played his hand on the ground. And when he signed with the Bears, you thought with, with everything Emery said and the guys he was drafting when he was drafting the Shea McClellans that he was signing Lamar Houston's, it was like, this Bears defense is going to be multiple and flexible. They're going to, you know, are they going to be, is it going to be three, four? Is it going to be four, three? Who are they? Are they sending five? Are they sending two? What do they do? And defenses or offenses are going to be so confused. And they go out there and they have Mel Tucker running like the same three coverages on every play because apparently he was told to run Lovey's defense without even knowing it. And so he was just calling the the four plays that he knew um, and they were just getting their asses handed to them. So Lamar Houston, for me, kind of represents the whole failure of Phil Emery's mode of thinking and the disconnect between I think the, the roster that he was building in his head and the coaches he actually hired to implement that strategy. So I guess if I if I was being honest, I think the four guys I would advance would be Parky, Omiel, Lamar Houston, and I will give you Adam Archuleta, Travis.
0: All right. I kind of agree with Lamar Houston over Jared Allen only because basically what you said he encapsulates an entire era of Bears football that is fucking dreadful like it it feels like if you aren't I mean, going to think of that as the John Fox era you could tie that to Lamar Houston
1: so i mean if you want to talk bad vibes the the bad the bad vibes of of our Bears lifetimes, not counting the Dave Wansett era and stuff where those are, it almost wasn't bad vibes because they sucked so bad and you expected them to suck and you never had anything resembling hope. I think the the worst feeling times to be a Bears fan were were that the end of that 2014 season where you knew like, I mean, the fucking jig was up, man. Yeah, nothing er- er- was coming. Urlacher, Urlacher, Briggs and Pell were all gone Cut The Cutler era was a flop, um, and you knew that they didn't have the resources to get out of the mess they were in. They were going to hire John Fox basically to babysit the roster for three years. It That wasn't a deer. The other lowest point was probably that span between the end of the 2020 season and when they drafted Justin Fields because it just felt like they. I mean, they signed Andy Dalton, and you were like, oh, God it's 2014 all over and there is nothing to look forward to yeah here.
2: in many ways signing Andy Dalton was the same thing as signing John right. Fox it was just then, saying out loud there's no need to care about yeah, this team fellas yeah
1: and then of course the 2007 Bears just the ultimate crushing disappointment the year after Super Bowl so those are those are the three worst feelings and I mean 2021 ended up not being that bad because they drafted Fields and and even though things have still not been good the hope of Fields is what I mean, it's literally why we still have this podcast right now. Um, those other two regions were, de- or those other two years were defined by the lack of hope, um, and so yeah, I think that's why I got to pass Lamar Houston through. Were you, Travis? Were you going to say you kind of agree with Lamar Houston? Was there a guy that I I had that you disagreed? Do you disagree with Parky? No,
0: no. The only uh, the only thing I would have argued would have been Allen over Houston, but I kind of agree. Just, just as a representative of that full era of absolute hopelessness, I think you want a guy who just eats up the entire era—the end of 2014 until John Fox was fired—and uh, that's Lamar Houston. Yeah, he was just like he was there for every year of it, and every year was more disappointing than the last with that guy. So, I'm I'm down with it. I can do those four. What do you think, Eric?
2: I, I am 100% on board with that. Uh, the only person I might have argued would have been Brandon Merriweather, just because I was really surprised when I went and looked to see how little he accomplished in his one year in Chicago. Basically, yeah. <laughs> the only things he did were two helmet-to-helmet hits that got him big fines and then get released.
0: Uh, he, he was bad. He, he did he was, nothing. He, just faces, he faces such fierce competition for bad Bears' yeah. safety, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I
2: also agree. uh, I, I think it's important to note when it comes to Jared Allen versus Lamar Houston. Part of what went so poorly for Jared Allen was that he got pneumonia. He got sick. He lost a lot of weight. He never got better. Very disappointing as a player for the Chicago Bears, obviously, and not a very cool guy. But it's not quite tearing your ACL because you sacked Jimmy Garoppolo while he was beating you by 25 points.
1: (laughs) Well, and the other thing is, I mean, Jared Allen, when he was signed, he was over 30. Everyone knew they were probably overpaying for him a little bit, but you thought you were, like, paying for, like, a pass-rushing specialist on what was supposed to be a good team. Lamar Houston was, was signed to be a foundational piece of that good team. He was supposed to be there for three, four, five years and be part of the next great Bears defense. Um, so, I, like I said, I do think, even though I personally hate Lamar Houston less, uh, like I said, he is emblematic of the failures of a very of a very dark generation of Bears football. So, I think that's why he's passing through. So, I think we're good then on those four. We've got, so, Lamar Houston, Cody Parkey, Adam Archuleta for Travis's sake. Um, right. And last but not least, we have Frank Fucking Omiel. All right, so three or four regions are set. Let's enter our last region of the tournament, uh, and this is the the Just Why region. And there there are some names on here. So the the whole reason I have the Just Why region, and it comes up with the very first guy I'm going to mention here, which is Sam Mustapher. Um So. Th- there's a, Bears, there's a very popular Bears blog, literally just called The Bears Blog. Uh, Jeff Hughes is the guy that runs it. And he went on a rant not that long ago uh, where he was saying he could not understand the bile that Bears fans have towards Sam Mustafer. And he was saying, don't you understand, this guy was an undrafted free agent. For him to make 40 starts in the NFL, that's a victory. That is impressive. And I'm like, I am not Sam Mustafer's father. I'm not his personal trainer. I'm not his therapist. I am not here to care about Sam Mustapher and how much of a personal success he is. Because, like, sure, inspiring story if you're going back to your high school, Sam, and you're telling the kids out there not to give up on their dreams. But for me, as a Bears fan, I don't care if you are a first-round pick or you are an undrafted free agent. If you are making 40 starts... What matters to me is what happens during those 40 starts, and if what happens during those 40 starts is that you are the worst player, arguably, at your position in the National Football League for 40 starts for four fucking years, then yeah, I don't like you, Sam. And so yeah, we're here to just why, because I agree, there is no explanation for why this man got 40 starts. The Bears should not have been so negligent that this man kept ending up as their center basically by default. But they did, and we've got to deal with the consequences here. And so I'm sorry, Sam, but I wasn't thinking about you being undrafted every time you snapped the ball prematurely while Fields was still setting the protection. Or my personal favorite the more than once where he didn't even really snap the ball, he just kind of, like, left it on the ground and then fell forward? Um Or the times that he blocked absolutely nobody, the times that he got pushed in immediately. Um, so here's my blurb specifically about Sam. Uh, he finished 34th, 23rd, and 28th in the PFF pass block grades at center, which is considered the easiest pass blocking position anyways. Uh, also for anyone who has ever talked negatively about Sam Mustafer on Twitter you've probably discovered this his dad and i'm quite sure it's his dad is an unhinged weirdo with a burner account who calls Sam the best center in the NFL and enters your mentions on Twitter to blame every single bad thing Sam has ever done on Justin Fields holding the ball too long so um yeah i mean i i
2: think it's a, a big a big knock against Sam is that even if he was a like being a Cinderella story only matters if you are actually winning. Uh, being a scrappy underdog who gets the start and then sucks ass is not inspiring. But even if it was, he has been a huge dick about it. And his family has been huge dicks about it. Like, you, you are not just this scrappy little guy that I'm proud of for trying his best.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, if the guy's father is like tweeting unhinged rants at people online um about how trevor simeon should have been the starter and the only thing i can i can be inclined to think of that is that like he's getting that from somewhere so like is sam going home every night and bitching that like the whole nfl thinks he sucks at blocking and it's actually his quarterback's fault because if that's the case i i don't care for that either sam well i mean if
2: you're sam you should be seeking that like you have to know what's happening right yeah. You should be seeking that out and putting a stop to it.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's, uh, but yeah, less about his social media presence, more the fact that he's just truly, I mean, and the Bears have, I mean, we had Olin Krutz for a very long time, so I can't say the Bears have never had a good center. But since Olin was cut in 2011 or not re-signed, they have pretty much treated center as like a complete afterthought. Uh, they moved Roberto Garza there in camp. Cody Whitehair was drafted to be a guard, played center by necessity, and just kind of got stuck there for three years. Um, they tried James Daniels there for a bit and then realized that despite the fact that he was a good center in college, he was somehow a better guard anyways. Uh, and then we ended up with Mustafa. So it's just they have not put a lot of roster resources into this spot, and they have netted those results. But even for that, Mustafer is just the worst center I can remember them having. And again, after a while, it doesn't matter that you are undrafted or that no one should have expected you to be good when you are getting 40 attempts uh, to do this and be really bad at it. So, that's Sam. Next up, very similarly, uh, Jamarcus Webb, everybody. We finally got to Jamarcus. J-Web Nation. J-Web Nation. What up? I was reminded of that when talking about Jamarcus Webb on Twitter recently. Uh, so, if you were the guy who shouted that out to me and reminded me of that, and you're listening to this episode, thank you. I literally forgot that that man was so unself aware that he tried to literally make J Webb Nation a thing on Twitter. And to me, that's so funny because, like, Laramie Tunsil or Trent Williams, probably, like, the greatest left tackles in the game. Right now, and even they, I think, don't have the cultural clout to make a nation. I mean, if you were an offensive lineman, the best thing that you could be is a guy who plays 10 years, and yet most people don't know your name because that means you're doing your job and no one's noticing. I don't know that Joe Thomas, who is almost certainly a lock for the Hall of Fame if he isn't already in already, could pull off Joe Thomas, J. Thomas Nation, but there was Jamarcus Webb. Uh, But J-Web Nation is not actually my blurb about him. My blurb here uh, is it's not his fault that Jerry Angelo didn't bother to replace a seventh-round pick from West Texas A&M for multiple years, but he was there nonetheless, and he allowed 30 sacks in three seasons. So I went back for as far back, I believe I went back to 2010. uh, Pro Football Focus has 30 seasons where a guy has given up at least 11 sacks. 30 seasons, but just 29 players account for those 30 seasons because one man, Jamarcus Webb, is the only guy, the only motherfucker since 2010, the entire NFL, to have allowed 11-plus sacks twice. And he did it in back-to-back years. And would you believe, nonetheless, that guy was still around to start a third year after both of those. That's how long he stuck around. Uh, next up, Chris Conte. Um, much like Cody Parkey, I'm not singling him out for one play, although you all know the play, but what I am probably singling him out for is here's where he ranked among safeties in his time as Bears starting safety. 54th, 66th, 81st, 40th. 52 career starts for a man who did that. Was never even, uh, I guess, 40th with, if you consider each team starts two centers. He was He was... That's good enough for average, I guess. So one one year out of four, he was slightly average. Uh, next up, he needs no introduction, at least not for our boy, Eric. Kellen Davis, the tight end. They traded away Greg Olson to make room for. Uh, Kellen's caught just 43% of his targets in 2012 with a staggering 29.6% drop rate. Second worst of all tight ends with at least 25 targets in a season since 2010. Another one where you were like, you know, that sounds right, but I'm glad to have the numbers to confirm that not only was this man just really bad, he was like historically Yeah, I, I love nothing more
2: than having my hatred uh, vindicated, validated, whatever word you want to use. But boy, I did not realize I was quite that right to hate Calvin yeah, Davis. As much literally. As I <laughs>
1: Literally, like the worst hands imaginable of any tight end.
2: Like, it, it, drop percentage, it, That they only calculate that when you have a chance to catch the ball, correct?
1: Right, yeah. So I mean, that's, that's how many. One catch...
2: third of the time you throw a catchable ball to Kellen Davis, he does not catch it.
1: <laughs> it's not great, Bob. Um, <laughs> it's not what you want. Next up, uh, Javon Wims. So this man was a seventh-round pick. He did not play special teams, and yet he got rostered for three entire seasons, uh, was allowed to stick around long enough to drop a touchdown pass, a sure touchdown pass, maybe the best throw Mitch Trubisky ever made in a playoff game. Um, So for a seventh-round pick who did not play special teams and yet somehow got to stay on the roster for three years, he caught just 28 passes, in three seasons, and yet still managed four drops uh, to go along with those 28 passes. And that does not include that drop, that aforementioned playoff drop. Uh, Next up, Rashad Coward. Uh, This man was drafted as a defensive end. Matt Nagy, in his brilliance, decided to move him to the offensive line. And in 2019 and 2020, thanks to injuries, he was required to start a lot of games at guard and tackle, Uh, His pass block ranks in those years. Uh, In 2019, he was the 209th ranked offensive lineman. Is that bad? That seems bad. And he improved the next year to 199th. His 23.2 true pass set pass block rating. We'll talk about this. Uh, when we get to the Justin Fields thing, I t- will talk a lot about true pass set block grades. So um, PFF pass block grades, I consider them a little wonky sometimes because they can be manipulated by teams that run a lot of play action, run a lot of screens, run a lot of really quick passes, etc. Um, but true pass sets are measurements of how well a guy blocks literally in just straight drop back pass situations. Um And Coward's 23.2 true pass set pass block grade in 2019 ranked dead last, dead last among all Bears offensive linemen since 2013 who had at least 200 pass blocking snaps. So of all the offensive linemen we have mentioned and will mention throughout this entire tournament, Rashad Coward, arguably the worst overall pass blocking effort of any of them. In
2: fairness to Rashad Coward, that may be because he was not an offensive lineman.
1: It may be, but again, this is why we're here at the Just Why, because yeah, sure, it's not Rashad Coward's fault that he was a defensive lineman who got moved to offensive lineman and was there. But nonetheless, most organizations would not end up in a situation where they have to let that man start 15 games, and the Bears did. And so unfortunately for Rashad, I can't erase the memory Of those 15 games. Here's how bad Rashad Coward was. So, once again, dropping the Fields episode that we're going to do here in a little bit. I was going back and I was comparing uh, offensive lines for Bears quarterbacks throughout history and offensive lines for second-year quarterbacks throughout history and looking at those true pass set grades that I mentioned. The 2020 Bears offensive line ranked almost as bad in terms of true pass set grade on average as this most recent year's Bears offensive line uh, in 2022. Which surprised me. Not that I remember the 2020 offensive line as being particularly great, but I didn't remember it as being feeling as bad as this current Bears offensive line or the, the one last year. But what I found was they actually had like three to four pretty above average pass blockers. On that line And then they had Rashad Coward Who was so bad That he single-handedly drug the average down To look something like This The 2022 Bears who, Who spread the shit more evenly amongst them So just controlling for the Rashad Coward effect The 2020 Bears offensive line Was merely bad And not historically awful But he alone Was enough to drag them down Into like a bottom five Pass blocking unit in Bears history Which is really saying something Uh so there's Rashad. Uh, next up, Kasim Mitchell. So I mentioned Jerry Angelo and his prototypical left tackle bargain shopping. We, we have already mentioned Jamarcus Webb, who was attempt number three. Kasim Mitchell was attempt number one. Uh, now, he played before we have PFF data, but uh, he was taken off the scrap heap from the Browns because, I mean, God knows if the Browns give up on a guy, you better jump on it. Uh, Mitchell started 14 games in 2004 and committed eight penalties, which is a lot uh while being the worst defender on an offensive line that gave up a total of 66 sacks. So I assure you, I don't have the advanced metrics unfortunately that far back, but I I'm, I'm quite positive if if I did, he would be in Jabarcus Webb territory or Frank O'Miel territory quite easily.
2: A very funny uh, thing about Cassim Mitchell is that his Wikipedia article does not even include a professional career. <laughs>
1: that's probably for the yeah, best. Yeah, I,
2: I think he got off lightly there.
1: Yeah, if I was Jesus to see this,
2: yeah, nope. It is That's it is a... it is mentioned in the introduction that he played for the Bears, Panthers, Cardinals, and Forty Niners. Uh, the only actual information about him is his college career, and it's just where he went to college and some awards he won.
1: That's it's, yeah, I'm looking at that right. It's That's very sad.
0: That Edited is an alibi, Cassim
1: Mitchell. That is an outstanding catch by Eric. Okay, wow. (laughs) I love that. Um, Next up, Al Afalava. Uh, That man's last name parlayed itself into so many easy jokes. Afalava was like the easiest nickname ever. Uh, He was a sixth-round pick who started 13 games as a rookie because you couldn't force Jerry Angelo to invest in the safety position at gunpoint. Afalava ranked 111th among all safeties that year with a 50.1 PFF grade before getting unceremoniously released after just one year of his NFL career. Um, Next up, Taekwon Metzell. So, I'm not going to lie, this guy didn't actually play as much as I thought he did, so I I don't think he's going to advance. But I put him on here mostly as, once again, another Matt Nagy rant, because this is a man who in the 2018 regular season averaged 1.8 yards per carry which I think is less yards than you should get if you just fall directly down at the line of scrimmage. Um, but Matt Nagy still still thought it was important to to try to get this man a target and a touch uh, during that Eagles playoff game, the playoff game where we were all mad that he seemed to not be able to find a way to get the ball to Tariq Cohen. So uh, I'm going to mention Taequann Mitzel just because, you know, once again, fuck you, Matt Nagy. Um, and then... Last but not least, Garrett Wolf. Uh they spent a third round pick on Garrett Wolf, so he just missed the cutoff for the draft of disappointment. But still, a third round pick for a guy who was five foot seven, weighed a hundred and seventy-one pounds, but at least he was so fast that he averaged oh no, he averaged three point nine yards per carry in his career. But I'm sure as a small, speedy running back, he was a great pass catcher like Darren Sproles, which is why he managed 11 receptions in four seasons. Uh, but I'm sure he added a lot of value on special teams, where he returned a grand total of six kicks, because we also had Devin Hester. So, yeah, Garrett Wolf, this man was on the roster for four years, um, wasn't a good running back, wasn't a good receiver, offered little on special teams, and was Shorter than me, so that's
2: Garrett.
1: Did he really? Yeah, he he was arrested in a nightclub
2: uh, for attacking a police officer.
1: Well, I think I think that well, that means uh, we're eliminating him from contention. All right, Garrett, you are not passing on through. All right, that that's an instant (laughs) dub for Garrett (laughs) Wolf. Yeah, all right. My uh,
0: my note for Garrett Wolf is all capitals. Four years! uh, Exclamation point! Question mark! I. I am stunned he was on the team and that one. was my exact
1: reaction too. I thought God, I thought Garrett Wolf was there for like two years at most. Like yeah, max you
2: could have convinced me it was one very easily. This yeah. man
1: he was still on the two thousand ten Bears. Like when they made the playoffs, he was there. That's Which stunning. is I I had no memory of Garrett Wolf and Mike Martz ever crossing at pass at the same time. But yeah, I mean this. So he had, in his rookie season, he had 31 carries for 85 yards, 2.7 yards per attempt. Uh, That's just, that's just incredible. Um, And he is also the most annoying kind of Bears draft pick because, like, do you honestly think if this guy did not play college football in DeKalb at Northern Illinois, do you think the Bears would have even drafted him? Like, just... It, that kind of parochial, the same reason that so many Bears beat writers were just frothing at the mouth trying to make Peter Skaronsky to the Bears happen. You know, just these the idea that they must draft these local guys uh, from Northern Illinois and Northwestern without regard for the fact that those programs aren't usually very good at football. Um, so yeah, Garrett Wolf. On the list, not sure he passes through, but yes, I was...
2: In terms of pure performance, I'm tempted to say he should. I,
1: I mean, four years on the roster is a lot. A lot. So, anyways, okay, I think this one will go back to what we were doing. We will nominate guys to eliminate... I will go first, because I basically already eliminated him when I gave the blurb. I will eliminate Taekwon Mizell, because I, I just... That was one where the numbers did not back up my feelings. I mean, they did in that he was truly terrible. 1.8 yards per carry hysterical. But it felt to me like Matt Nagy found a way to get that man the ball like 10 times a game. Um, But when I looked back, it really wasn't. It really wasn't that many. I mean, was, like, I, no two... one
2: would be surprised to learn that Matt Nagy uh, yeah, hurt his was... team in order to insist he was right about a guy who sucked ass. So yeah, you can so be forgiven was... for believing that. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think I think also specifically, I feel like my rage is that any time they ever gave him the ball, it wasn't even on like a handoff; it had to be like on a bullshit Matt Nagy like double reverse one of those wildcat pitch things that like you could see coming was from the before it, even the ball was snapped. They were going to lose four yards and they did it anyways. So um I will eliminate him because the numbers don't quite back up my rage. It just, it felt like he got a lot more than 17 touches, but it, he did not. And like I guess that it's still annoying to me that this man was active for the playoff game and that he got a touch in that game, like, it was so important to them to, like, actually try to get him the ball at least once in the playoff game. Like, you had to know Matt Nagy was like, he could be a secret weapon for us if we just get him the ball and let him him make some magic happen. But yes, I will eliminate Mitzel. He did not, he truly did not do enough to merit inclusion on this list, so.
2: Travis, do you want the next one or do you want me to take it?
0: Uh, so I can, I can go next. Uh, Oh yeah, Sorry.
1: One. sorry, one more thing. Yeah, he got the same number of carries in that game as Tariq Cohen. They both got one, one carry. So that, that's, I think that was part of my rage too, was they, they managed to get a whopping four touches for Tariq Cohen and one for Mitzel in a, in a playoff game. So.
0: Excellent note. Uh, okay, so. I, just as a side note, I think there are four contenders that are so strong here that there's no shot for the other six. Uh, but the guy, the guy I want to eliminate next is Garrett Wolf himself, only because I have one more anecdote for him on his way out. I went to uh, the Iowa Northern Illinois game in 2007, so the year after Garrett Wolf was drafted. Uh, this was at Soldier Field for some reason. Iowa barely escaped this goddamn game because they always do that against shitty teams in their first game of the year. But that's not that's not the point here. Iowa Northern Illinois at Soldier Field. Do you know what was happening for that entire fucking game? Do you want to guess? It was the crowd chanting Garrett Wolf. That was it. You would if it was like going to a heavy metal show and somebody yelling Slayer as loud as they possibly can. That's what was happening. I would go to the bathroom. Everybody in there is just yelling Garrett Wolf. I would go to get some food. Garrett Wolf. I would come back out to the crowd and people were chanting Garrett Wolf, Garrett Wolf, probably because watching Iowa, especially in the first game of the year is an interminable experience, probably because Northern Illinois was about to maybe beat Iowa. But I will remind you that Garrett Wolf was not on the goddamn team. He was a Chicago Bear at that point. Uh... And that really set me up to just kind of hate Garrett Wolfe for the rest of his career, which is amazing because in college he was a lot of fun. Uh but that whole experience completely soured me on the guy. I'm I'm just stunned he was there for four years, but I don't think he hangs on this list.
1: Yeah, I'm okay with yeah, I, I, that. Yeah, I think Garrett.
2: it's fair. I you know the the, was... the bad here is so bad that just being kinda shitty uh, isn't going to get you there. There are legends.
1: legends at the yeah, top. Yeah,
2: there are some real shitters
1: here. Yeah, so he... Uh, yeah, I would say... The thing with Garrett, too, is... I mean, when he... It's not like he hurt them that badly. I mean, they barely like, gave him no time. I still don't know how this man stuck around as long as he did. Because they, had, they
2: had one of the most reliable running backs in the NFL for that they, entire yeah. time, and they just didn't, they didn't have to think about it.
1: Yeah, they no. didn't give him... Yeah, they really didn't give him enough touches for him to when become a true When you have negative. Matt
2: Forte, you don't yeah. have to worry too much about the who worst... your other running backs are.
1: Yeah, the worst thing about him was that he was a waste of a third-round pick, but that's almost unbecoming of the spirit of this region. But he was too, like I said, it was just too low to hit the draft-bust region, but nonetheless. Uh, so yeah, Garrett's gone, Mitzel's gone, Eric, you get to I... nominate a guy to eliminate
2: you're probably going to hate this, but I think I would eliminate Rashad Coward on the basis mm-hmm. that if they signed a dog to play linebacker, I would not remember that dog as the worst linebacker in the history of the Chicago Bears. This is
0: very true. Uh, uh... I I agree with Eric on this one. He was very bad. He
1: he was however, extremely he was, bad.
0: He was subjected to a very weird. Very specific kind of torture by his coaching staff in that they just they just decided he was something he wasn't and said, "I guess this is you now just to just to be clear about how stupid making him play offensive line was when he left the Bears he immediately switched back to the defensive line with the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, now we could also leave out that somehow some way. He is currently an Arizona Cardinal, and he is an offensive lineman again. I don't, I don't know how that happened, uh, but I can only assume it's because of the mental torture he went through here, where his coach was just like, "You know what? You are, you're a fucking offensive lineman now." Yeah, I mean, right? I feel like we are one know.
2: step above, right before them going out, Matt Nagy just like breaking his legs with a crowbar, and then saying, "This guy fucking sucks." <laughs>
1: Yeah, yes. I mean it's he would not I have been the next I think, guy I um, I
0: think very similar to this is uh Al Afalava uh who is a guy who simply was never meant to be in the no. position that he was in in 2009. It was not fair to him and it was weird that he was kind of just like sacrificed in that
1: way. Well the, so the difference between an, a- an Afalava and and a guy that I think we are voting through for instance like Mustafa uh, is that yeah they 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 did what you should have done with a guy like that where it's like oh shit we ended up in a situation where we were starting this poor sixth round pick and it's not your fault guy but to be clear we are cutting you we are we are yeah. cutting you hard um where but it's which is what they should have done with Mustafer after his rookie year That should have been like you know what we were decimated by injuries and you gave it the old college try good for you pal we're gonna go sign a real center now though so goodbye um, and they didn't. So Afalava, yeah, I, I'm okay with cutting him. Uh, the next guy I will nominate to be eliminated, uh, simply because, like I said, it's he was only, he only got one year compared to some others on this list. Uh, even though I do feel strongly that if, like I said, if the numbers were there, I feel he would make his case right next to Jamarcus Webb. Um, but he was Jamarcus Webb for one year, whereas Jamarcus Webb was Jamarcus Webb for three. So I will eliminate Cassim Mitchell. Um but I, I do think I don't even know if either Travis didn't even remember him, even though he obviously remembers the two thousand four Bears. We went over last yep. week. He has some serious two thousand four Bears trauma. Uh but he did not specifically remember Cassim Mitchell. But I assure you guys he there was, was that bad. Of,
0: there was a lot of other stuff to focus on. O three, oh four, oh five, uh other than the offensive line, hard to tell how bad an offensive line is when you're dealing with what the Bears were dealing with in those years.
1: Yeah, so I will I will eliminate Cassim Mitchell. Travis, you're back around. Who are you eliminating? Well, there's only one guy left, and he certainly doesn't compare to the top
0: four. Uh, Javon Wims just doesn't really need to be on this list. I think we can get rid of him, and then if we won't, we can run down the clear-cut contenders coming out of this
1: so, region. Okay, so the so we're all agreed uh, the first four guys I listed yeah, are the Yeah, four I don't guys think there can right.
2: really even be any debate about. It. So we're <laughs> we're down no to contest. Sam
1: Sam Mustafa, Jamarcus Webb, Chris Conti, and Kellen Davis. Those are our four just why guys and I think of all the regions we've put together yet, this is the one that feels most right.
0: This is certainly the one I that has hurt agree. me the most. This one here has a couple of guys uh who I think Eric and I are just going to be that meme of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, in Predator, like, doing the uh, the hand grip there uh, with Conti and Kellen Davis. Like, I think both of us have, like, true, pure, burning hatred for those guys that it, really this is the region that I think may be able to rival our, our winner coming out of quarterback.
1: Uh, okay. I mean... There's definitely. I will say this. So, uh, when we start the actual tournament in earnest next week, you guys are both. I think. Don't tell me who. Do both of you guys have in your mind the guy that you think is probably who you want to win the whole thing? Do you have a favorite? Who I
2: want to win or who I think will win? Because I have both of those things, but they're not the same person.
1: Okay, Travis, what about you? Do you have a guy in mind that you think should win, that you feel rightly should win because I know last time we did this tournament you definitely had a guy
0: and um, he's still
1: in this tournament and and yes
0: spoilers for you two, but not for everybody else that's still the guy I think is going to win this tournament okay
1: I I'm open to being persuaded as of right now looking at this field of contenders because we did grandfather out my all-time most hated bear Cade uh because he's out of the running there are multiple contenders here that I I would seriously consider and I think next week I'm gonna let you guys make your case to me. I am also thinking I had one guy ask if I would put this on Twitter. I don't even know if thanks to the brain geniuses messing with everything, if polls are even still a thing you can do. I do think what now that we finalize the bracket, I will I will I will let people in some way vote. Not that we will be restricted or abide by we the can, result of the crowd vote.
2: people's champion though but i yeah. think yeah
1: i think it will be worth mentioning like whom the crowd felt should advance in each of these matchups um but yeah i'm open to being persuaded there is there is one guy at least in this region that i think you could convince you could take them almost all the way if not all the way for me there i
2: think there are three yeah four. there are three or four yeah, guys think, in this region good win yep. <laughs>
1: yeah this is a strong region i do think so as we've as we've set the field i do think we all agree that the weakest region seems to be the free agent and trade yeah none of those guys are going to win failures but i think there are strong contenders in the quarterback region obviously in the draft bust region and and especially here in the just y region there are there are some strong candidates we we have i think we have truly found our sixteen worst of the worst the stage is set next week we will have them battle to the death yeah
0: i think i think we set the the quarterbacks and the, the free agent trades on one side of the bracket, we put the draftees and the just wise on the other side. And I, I think we're going to come in with a, a strong contender against the quarterback, whoever okay. comes out of those eight.
1: Absolutely. I will I will make an official bracket here tomorrow, and I will get it posted up on Twitter shortly after we drop this episode, and I will let the people have their say On each matchup. so
0: Alright. One more thing. A little bit of housekeeping. Maybe a little bit of tease for one year from now. Kyle, you got a tweet at you. uh, In reference to the 2004 Chicago Bears. And I I didn't bring this up. But I was thinking about it. On the last podcast. And he referenced a specific game. The Thanksgiving game. The Bears played against the Cowboys that year. and, (laughs) And we talked about it. And... You're like, man, is that the worst Bears game ever? And it dawned on me, man, if if we're gonna do something like this next year, worst Bears worst game. There game. Some Games. There. Yeah,
2: there's some stinkers out there.
1: There, oh yeah, because I mean, I, I mean, that one was really bad. The just off the top of my head, though, I can think of some strong contenders. I mean, the Marion yeah. Barber. Marion Barber game was real bad. I was
2: tempted to say we should have Marion Barber on this list for that reason Uh, and that reason alone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That would have felt too cruel for a lot of reasons. Um, Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, no, I think the bracket is the bracket. Well, I'm going to figure out seeds and I will create the official bracket, but the field of 16 is set. I'm pleased with it. I think we are ready to, to do this tournament in earnest. So wait, did Marion Barber f-
2: die? Is that why that made you groan?
1: Yeah, Ma- Marion Barber's dead. So oh, did you, dang. Well,
2: now I feel did. bad well, about saying that. You know what's Sorry, yeah, you Marian. know
0: what's upsetting is like a lot of football players uh, die young. So like you know, I kind of we talked stroke? about Cedric Benson. We talked about Gaines Adams, we've talked about Marion Barber, like, uh, it's, it's tough, man. Like, a lot of these guys have died way too young, uh, so it feels a little bad to be hating on them, except for Cedric Benson, but we'll get to talk about that next week.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so there's there's a lot. Eric, are you aware that Cedric Benson is yes, dead? Yes, I know
2: Cedric Benson is dead.
1: Okay, I just <laughs> no, I just wanted to be clear. So I, Eric, to make Eric's clear. like, "Yeah, baby, I was there. I was <laughs> popping champagne at the funeral." Yeah, <laughs> what are you talking God. about? Um, <laughs> Lord, uh, you guys, uh, what you guys?
2: <laughs> I didn't say anything.
1: I know it's mostly just don't don't right. compare Eric. me to him. But, That was Eric. People out there, his sins, his sins, damn us all. All right, well, that's a good note to end it on. We'll see you next week, folks. As we, as we, the tournament truly begins.
2: Yeah.